wonder, folks, if you've ever stayed in a hotel room and in that room there's been a tiny little kettle with a little packet of biscuits beside it. It's good to see the biscuits, isn't it? Maybe some shortbread. If you're really lucky, maybe custard creams. Imagine it. And the cup of tea and the custard creams, it's really, really good. Especially if you've had a long day travelling and you get into the hotel room and you just need a wee quick refreshment. But I want you, I want you to think about that cup of tea and those custard creams. Would you ever imagine preferring those to a meal that has been cooked for you at home? You wouldn't prefer that to a full meal, would you? A traveller doesn't settle. A traveller doesn't settle for the comforts provided on the road. The traveller looks forward to the destination. And they keep pressing on. And you know, the Christian life is a journey. We are, as Christian people, we are pilgrims. We are passing through this place. This is not the place where we settle. This world is not the place where we are for. We are for heaven. And so we trust in God's promises along the way. But we don't settle for the earthly things that we can see around us. We don't settle for the cup of tea and a biscuit. We push forward towards the goal of the meal that is waiting for us. We can't see it. We believe by faith that it's waiting for us. We walk not by sight. We walk by faith. In the passage we have before us today, and do have your Bibles open at Genesis 13. In this passage, we see Abram's hope. And we see that it's not found in the earthly or temporary things. Abram walks by faith, not by sight. Abram doesn't trust in the things that God has given him. And he's been given a lot. At the start of the the passage, we, we read that Abram was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. He is a wealthy man. But he doesn't trust in those things, the things that he can see. He trusts in what he believes. What he believes by faith that God has promised him. And so this passage, I think, has much to teach us about the Christian life. Our lives as Christians are to be lived as pilgrims, passing through. Not settling in the hotel room. Not falling in love and wanting to stay here forever. We don't fall in love with this world. As Christians, we need to be like Abram. We walk by faith, not by sight. We pass through this world on the way to the promised land. There are comforts along the way. And we'll talk about those more in a moment. But we don't settle for the things of this world. There are three things I want us to learn. First, we're going to learn from Lot. Lot walks by sight. Lot trusts in what he can see. Secondly, we're going to learn from Abram. And he walks by faith. And then finally, very interesting, at the end of our passage... God strengthens Abram's faith by sight. God shows him something which strengthens his faith. So, first of all, let's think about Lot. Lot walks by sight. 
Up to this point, we haven't really heard too much about Lot. We, we didn't really know that he was still with Abram, but it seems as if the nephew is sticking around. And he too has amassed wealth. He has lots of livestock. And so, I don't know if you ever watch the Westerns, but this is a kind of classic Wild West problem, isn't it? There's not enough grazing land to support both Lot's herds and Abram's herds. And so a dispute arises between the two sets of herdsmen. And then Moses, as he's writing this book of Genesis, he throws in a wee detail at the end of verse 7, which I think is instructive. He says the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. That's a wee hint. Because it's telling us that Abram and Lot need to have some sort of united front. They can't fall out. Because if they, if they fall out with each other, well, there's danger lurking. The Canaanites and the Perizzites will overtake them. So this is what Abram does. He comes up with a solution. Look at verse 8. Abram says to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go right. If you go right, then I'll go left. Notice verse 10. Lot lifted his eyes and saw. He looked. And what did he see? How is he going to decide his future? Well, let's read on. Verse 10. He saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Now, again, these details are not insignificant. We need to remember that that God's word, every part of it is important for us. Every part of it teaches us something. So let's think about the Garden of Eden. Yes, it was very well watered. It was a fertile land. And as Lot looked out, that's what he saw. He saw saw something like Egypt. Remember, Egypt is a place that is, is watered by the River Nile and it's very fertile. It's exactly the place that you would want to take your herds for grazing. But I think there's a hint in this verse that that's not going to be a good idea. It was like the garden of of the Lord and it's like Egypt. Both those places are fertile lands. But there's something else that connects them. Another thing that connects them is that there was temptation in those places. In the garden of Eden, well, temptation lurked for Adam in the form of the serpent. In Egypt, well, we know what happened Abram. Last chapter, last week we looked, he, he sinned in Egypt. He gave in to the temptation to trust in himself. He lied about his relationship with Sarai. And so I think what we can say about Lot is that he's not thinking spiritually. He's not thinking about the temptations that lie in that direction. He's, he's thinking that going down there will be good for him and his herds will increase and he'll gain more wealth. But he's not thinking of his spiritual well-being. Lot has his worldly glasses on. He walks by sight and so he heads for Sodom. We know about Sodom, don't we? You've heard of Sodom. It was a place of depravity and sinfulness beyond what God could bear on the earth. Well, that's where Lot goes. 
He heads into the path of temptation. He looks with his eyes. He sees earthly things. The impressive green land. The bright lights of the city. And that's where he heads. He gives no second thought. To the fact that going there. Is going to be flirting with temptation. He doesn't just head towards Sodom. If you look at verse 12. You can see. He ends up pretty much just outside Sodom. Even as far as Sodom. I wonder if we ever do that. Do we ever pitch our tents near Sodom? Do we ever look at worldly things and we see their attractiveness? And we follow the bright lights? We don't think about the consequences. We don't think about how it's going to impact us spiritually. By all accounts, and according to Second Peter, Lot was a righteous man. Lot is a member of the church. So this isn't a non-Christian person acting sinfully. I think we can expect that. I think we can expect people who don't trust in Jesus to act sinfully. Lot is a member of the church. But he's doing something very irresponsible. I wonder if we ever pitch our tents near Sodom. Do we ever flirt with temptation? Do we ever think, you know, I'll not give in? And so we go towards it. When it comes to evaluating even our own Christian lives, are, are we ever tempted to, to judge our, our, our Christian lives according to our behaviour? Rather than judging our salvation on Christ's work on our behalf. Do we ever doubt our, our salvation? Because we're trusting in ourselves. Because we're thinking of worldly things. Your salvation is secure because it's in Christ. Do we ever flirt with the temptation to judge based on worldly things? Do any of us walk straight into temptation? We know where it's going to lead. But we pretend to ourselves that it doesn't matter. We won't sin this time. There are so many ways that each one of us pitches our tents near Sodom. We trust in what we can see rather than what we know. We trust in the enticements of this world. We trust in the, in the glitz and glamour the world offers. Chasing the things that we can see. Money, houses, cars, machinery, land. All these things one day will crumble and turn to dust. All of them will fail to satisfy. There are so many ways we can be enticed by this world and it never ends well. In the next chapter, we see what happens to Lot. He's no longer living near Sodom. He's in Sodom. Temptation leads to sin. And Lot's tail is a downward spiral from this point. Friends, we shouldn't walk as Lot did. By sight. By the things that we see. We should walk by faith. We should walk in in this land that is not our home. The things of this world, well, we shouldn't hold them tightly. We should hold them very loosely. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in barns. No, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there 
your heart will be also. Remember what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians? He says, what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for the sake of Christ. We shouldn't walk as Lot did by sight. We walk by faith. Faith in Christ. And that's what Abram did. So let's think about Abram. What does he do differently from Lot? Why is he able to do it differently? Why does he behave differently? Well, Abram walks by faith. Just a chapter ago in Egypt... Abram trusted his own cunning. He, he trusted his, his own ability to deceive Pharaoh. And that didn't work out well, did it, for Abram? And so I think it's important that at the start of our, our chapter, we see Abram in verse 4, he comes back to the altar. He comes back to worship. And somehow after that, he's, he's become a wiser man. He's a more faithful man. I would even say Abram is more sanctified at this point. He shows great wisdom in his dealing with Lot. There's danger in the, in the land. There's, the, the Canaanites and the Perizzites are there. So Abram knows that they can't have a falling out. And so look what he does. He says, let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. He literally says, we are brothers. I think it's really interesting. That's the exact thing that got him into bother with Pharaoh, isn't it? He said to Sarai, say that you're my sister, that I'm your brother. But the exact same thing is what helps him reason with Lot. In Egypt, Abram was acting as an irresponsible brother. But now he's acting as a responsible brother. So it's not the claim itself. That is the problem in Egypt and is now the solution. It's not about being a brother. It's the perspective that Abraham brings to it. Because he's no longer trying to fix things himself. He's no longer trusting in worldly things. He's trusting in God to do what God has promised. He has faith that this whole land will be given to him by God. That's what God promised him. Because he believes this promise of God, Abraham's able to set aside his own desires. And he says to Lot, look, the whole land is before you. If you go to the left, then I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And Abram can say that because he believes by faith that actually the whole land is his. That's what God promised. And God keeps his promises. So Abram can can afford to be generous. Look, he doesn't yet possess the whole land of Canaan. But because God has made the promise, it's as good as done. Abram's not walking by sight. He's walking by faith. He walks in faith in the promises of God. And because he does that, well, he's able to not act selfishly. He gives up his claim for the good of Lot. And I think there's application for us here today because, look, don't hear me say, I'm saying be like Abram. I'm saying don't be like Lot. And what I, what I mean when I say that isn't that Abraham is great. Because we know Abraham's not great. We know what he did in Egypt and he's going to do it again. 
We're going to find out in weeks to come that Abraham can't help but take things into his own hands. He doesn't always walk by faith. He struggles time and time again. So what do I mean? I mean trust in Christ. I mean trust in Jesus. Trust in his promises. Remember that Jesus didn't grasp at equality with God, but Jesus lowered himself. Jesus gave up heaven. He left it in order to seek our good. Abram shows Christ. Abram is a, is a shadow of Christ here. He, he shows what Christ is like because he looks at what lies ahead and he endures the hardship. Abram says, I'll not take the good land. I'll not have the pick of the land. He, he gives that up in order to serve Lot. Well, Jesus Christ, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross in order to serve us. We're brought into the kingdom of God by trusting in Christ and he gave up heaven for us. Friends, I want you to think today and to know today that Jesus looked ahead and he knew that on the 19th of September 2021 you would be gathered in to worship him. And he said, because of that, I'm going to go to the cross. He went to the cross so that you could worship him today. So that you could be brought into his family. For the joy of knowing that you would be here to praise him. Jesus endured the hardship of the cross. If you're not trusting in Jesus by faith. Just think about what he went through. He knew you'd be here today. He knew you'd be here to hear this message. Think about what he went through, the mental and physical and spiritual agony that he gave up, that he took upon himself, I should say, for your sake. He gave up his life for you. And he makes promises. He makes promises to those of us who trust in him so that we can give up our preferences for the good of others. We don't need other people to serve us because Jesus has served us. We have everything we need in Christ. In him we have the grace and mercy of God. So we can give up our lives to serve other people with grace and mercy. In Christ we have everlasting life. We have rewards for us in heaven. An inheritance which will not rust or fade. And so we can hold loosely to earthly things. God has loved us. With a love so magnificent that it makes, us, it makes it easy for us to love our neighbours. God's forgiven us our sins against him. So we can give up grudges against other people. The promises of God help us. And in fact make us able to lift our eyes away from this world. Like Abram. Abram looked with faith unto God. God who says, through Christ, I will bring you into my presence for all eternity. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will wipe away every tear from your eyes one day and, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore. There'll be no more sickness. Those former things have passed away. Friends, we're not at home in this world. We are passing through. 
We are like travellers in a hotel room. Don't fall in love with the cup of tea and the plastic wrapped biscuits. Instead, look forward to the meal we have waiting for us when we get home. Walking, not by sight, but by faith. Finally then, and very quickly, I want us to hear something very interesting in this passage. And that is, at the end of the passage, what God does for Abraham. God strengthens Abram's faith by sight. Look at verse 14. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land which you see I will give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust, then your descendants also could be numbered. Isn't it amazing that after Abram acts in faith, God chooses to strengthen and to increase that faith by telling him to see something. And just as Lot looked in verse 10, so now Abram is told to look, to lift his eyes. And just as Abram told Lot, go left or right, God tells Abram, look left and right, look north, south, east, west. All this land will be given to you and your offspring. Then look at verse 16. God promises Abram another amazing promise that his offspring will be as many as the dust of the earth. What an amazing promise to make to a man that has no children. And friends, here's the point. When Abram looks up, he sees the land. So he sees God's promise to him. And then he looks down and he sees the dust of the ground. And he sees God's promise of descendants. So whether he looks up or whether he looks down. He sees God's promise. We walk by faith and not by sight. We are wandering pilgrims who make our home in this world. Who don't make our home in this world. But our faith isn't blind. We do have tasters. We have reminders of God's promises even in this life. We know God's blessing. We know what it's like to to feel connected to God through Christ. And the power of the Holy Spirit. We can think about something like the sacraments, like communion and baptism. A very tangible example. God actually shows us something. We see them. All of our senses experience them. In baptism, we, we see water which washes away dirt. And that pictures the washing away of our sin through Jesus' death. In communion, we we see bread broken, just as Christ's body was broken. We see wine poured as Christ's blood was poured out for our salvation. Even here in worship, Sunday by Sunday, we get a glimpse into the heavenly reality. We get a glimpse into what lies ahead for those who trust in Jesus. The thing that we're doing right now is entering into the presence of God through the work of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. We come to the Father to hear his word, to give him glory, and to be blessed by him. This is a foretaste of heaven, right here on earth. And that's one reason why worship is so important. It's the time when we, as wandering pilgrims, when we, when we take stock, 
when we look forward, when we reorientate ourselves in our journey to heaven, I know it doesn't look like much. And to the world, it definitely doesn't look like much what we're doing here and now. And yet we're experiencing heaven in this place. Worship is so important. It's the most important thing we can do. And so it's no wonder, right at the very end of our passage, and this is another occasion of Abraham doing the same thing that he's done before, in verse 18, he built an altar to the Lord. Why? Because Abram was a pilgrim. He was a wanderer. And yet worship was at the very centre of his life. As we walk by faith, we get a weekly glimpse into the heavenly reality. And God strengthens our faith by sight. As we see his people. As we sing to one another and encourage one another. Worship is at the centre of of who we are as God's people. It's the most important thing we can do because we come here not by sight. We don't come for the things that we can see. The screens aren't even working. We come in faith to trust in God's promises and to get a foretaste of our eternal home in heaven. Friends, it's good to be here today. Let's pray together.